Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 563 East Main Street in Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. And now let us look at our scripture this morning which can be found in the Gospel of Matthew in the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And as you're turning there, um, just a a time of confession, if you will. But growing up, I'm not going to say I was a bad child. um, But I will say I was guilty of something that I... Don't know if how many people have, are guilty of this, but I'm just going to share that um, I was a person that if I knew my parents were watching, or if I knew someone else's parents were watching, um, if, a, if I knew if I knew a friend of my parents was watching, whatever, I was going to do whatever I had to do to appear to be that perfect child. Now I was far from perfect, but I wanted to to live into and to promote myself as that good child, to be seen as, oh, look at that good child. Look at look at Ryan. He's the good one. He's such a good person. And, and I was trying to, and, and I'm still guilty of this sometimes even today, trying to manipulate the way in which people view, to, to change their perceptions of me, if you will. And, and the reality is, is that can become tiresome. Because we can't really change the way in which people perceive us. But we spend so much time trying to do so. And and I I started doing it at a young age. And here I am even today, find myself so often trying to do that sometimes. Trying to change the way in which people perceive me. And, and, And with that in mind, let's look at Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46. Which is probably a very familiar text to many of you. It is the text of the sheep and the goats when, and we hear in, in Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46, these words, it says, when the son of man comes in his glory on all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as shepherd separates his sheep from his goats. He'll put the sheep on the right, and he'll put the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, he will say to those sheep, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty? Or when was it that we saw you as a stranger? When was it that we saw you naked or or sick or in prison? And the king will answer, just as you did this to one of the least of those who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to the ones on his left hand, you that are accursed... Depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for you for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty, no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked and you left me naked no, with no clothing. Sick and in prison and you would not visit. And they answer, 
Lord, when did we see this and not take care of you? And he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I must admit that this idea of when they hear Christ saying, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick or imprisoned. What's interesting to me is that both the sheep and the goats, both the righteous and the unrighteous, have the same response to Jesus. They both look and say, when? When did we see you this way? And, and maybe this is me putting my own understanding on it. But for me, what I hear there is, God, if we didn't know it was you, if we didn't know who was watching, if we didn't seen that it was you, of course we would have done something. We know how to do what's right for you. And, I, and it takes me back to that person that I was talking about as a young child. I, I knew what was right. And when pe- I knew who was watching, I would do what was right all the time to try to look and put on an image and see this is the problem. Is that the difference in the sheep and the goats is that the sheep understood that it was just what you do. The goats were were those people that were walking around trying to put on a facade of, yeah, I go to church, God. Yeah, I, I, I proclaim to do good. Yet when other people are watching, I'll take care of those in need. But God, it's just not really my thing. I can remember growing up and my senior English teacher, Miss Canterbury, would put quotes on the board when we would walk into class. We would kind of spend the first few minutes of class writing about the quote and what it meant to us. And I can't remember who put the quote, who wrote, said the quote, or necessarily word for word what the quote was. But essentially, the quote boiled down to this phrasing. You are who you are when nobody else is watching. <laughs> You are the authentic you is who you are when no one else is watching. And with that in mind, it really raises the question for me and I hope for you, then who are you? I mean, obviously, if we all knew that Christ was watching and that Christ was the one, then we would say, absolutely, I'll help you, God. But what does that say about us if we're only willing to do it when that's the case? Because the sad part as I look around our world and as I look on, on, on social media or listen on the radio or turn on the TV, y'all, I can't even get on the internet anymore because we have all lost sight of the idea that we are people and persons of worth created in the image of God. Or as our wonderful, wonderful treasurer at the conference office, David Stotts, likes to say, we're all cog pals, children of God, people of worth. And this call to live out our faith is a call 
to not act in a particular way when we know that uh, someone is watching, but as a call to live in authentic love of God and God's creation. To care for our neighbors, to be human, that w- to be that which we are created to be. To, to live in to this radical love and hospitality and community for one another. Or as Francis Clark put it, to feel sorry for the needy is not the goal. Francis Clark says, To feel sorry for the needy is not the mark of a Christian. To help them, to help them is. To to simply feel sorry for them is not the goal. But to help them is. You see, I think we so often find ourselves getting caught up in a world that says, I feel this way or that way. But what happens when our feelings don't call us to action? Feelings are not our goal. Faith is, and an authentic faith is one that is lived out, not only in word, but in deed as well. This is what loving our neighbor as ourselves is about. We're reminded of when Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love God. And, and I think we can get, the, we, 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 we go, oh, I got that part. That's why we think, oh, if I knew that was you, Jesus, I would have taken care of you. But we don't realize that to love God is, is connected so intricately that Christ couldn't separate them. That to love God is also to love your neighbor as yourself. And loving your neighbor just to get ourselves into heaven isn't real love, but it's selfishness. When I say I love you because that's what I'm called to do, that's not real love. It's trying to do something to appease. It's about you still. And this preoccupation with our own salvation is exactly what Christ is warning us against. Uh, He says when you're living your life loving your neighbor, you don't have time to selfishly worry about you. So this idea of following God... uh, and being filled with God is love and letting it flow out from everything you do. You're no longer worried about you because you're so worried about God and God's creation. The love of God and neighbor has filled your heart so much that it's not about you anymore. Jesus is talking about a manner of living. And it's one that's motivated not out of the, a fear of hell or a hope of heaven, but it's a life that's motivated by authentic love. <clears throat> you know, as we think about our world, and, I, and I've been guilty of it as well, that this idea of that so often we go, well, I, I, I feed the hungry when I see them. I, 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 I give clothing to the local 
clothing um, closet. I give food to the local food pantry. I, I've even occasionally gone and visited the, uh, the people at the nursing home or in the prisons or whatever. I've done these things. But so often what I think we have a tendency to do is we do it just to ease our own guilt of the things that we do have. Oh, I feel bad. That they that I have it and they don't. So so let me do something to feel better about it. And we and we lose sight that it's not about us. That, that it's not about making ourselves feel better. But what we're called to do is we're called to f- help our hungry, naked, imprisoned neighbor because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are children of God, people of worth. They are our family. And the test of faith is not what we say or believe. It's whether or not our beliefs send us into the world to do the will of God. Do they lead us to hospitality? You know, so often we hear in our world this argument of, is it faith or is it works? Is it faith or is it deeds that's going to get me into heaven? And the reality is, is you can't separate the two because if you have this true, authentic faith in Jesus Christ, it calls you to live differently because you are now a member of God's family and as is everyone else. I'm, I'm reminded growing up, we would always do a family reunion around Christmas time. And, and, during that time, it never failed. There would be someone that would walk in and and I would have no idea who they were. And sometimes I'd even ask other people, hey, who's that? And they go, I don't know. But but we welcomed them in. We gave them food. We, we, we treated them like they were one of our own because they were one of our own. Even if we didn't know who they were, we knew that they belonged in the family. And, and I just keep thinking back to that of going, what would it look like if we as the church welcomed people in and if people said, who is that? We'd go, I don't know. But we still treated them as one of the family because they are one of the family. We welcomed them in. We gave them the food. We gave them a seat at the table. Hospitality was once central to Christians living life together. But today we have we've tamed it down. We we've we've brought it down. We've watered it down from this radical practice of graciously welcoming one another, especially the stranger. And 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 we go, oh well, to be hospitable, we you just need to read good housekeeping to know how to do that, or we read books on what it means. We 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 claim, oh well, I live in Mississippi, this which is the hospitality state, so I must know what it means to be hospitable. But I'm here to tell you that the genuine art of hospitality is lost because our world has grown to this defensive and and harsh mentality where we're so focused on what divides us instead of what unites us. We're so focused on how can we keep others out and what those things, those barriers that separate us instead of what brings us together. We want to ask people at the door, show us your card. Show us that proof that says you are a part of us. Prove it to us. We've become Christian bouncers instead of those that stand at the door at a family reunion with it wide open saying, come on, we always got room for more. But instead we're saying, 
I need to check and make sure you're on the list. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine at lunch just the other day that that the church has become more defined in our current culture by what we are against, by what we don't allow, by who we're by who who we aren't as opposed to what we're for. By by being that welcoming and hospitable per- people of love. By, by by being as United Methodists, by having our open hearts, open minds, open doors. And I'm here to tell you that sadly, for many in our world, the church is viewed not with open of, as a place with open hearts, open minds, and open doors, but with closed hearts, closed minds, and closed doors that's not welcoming and not hospitable. And Christ is warning us against it in this text. He's saying, reclaim this hospitality that used to be central to Christian living. And you know where you can learn it? At worship. At worship, where you're, where you're fulfilling both roles as that of a guest in God's kingdom, but also as the host to one another. And to God saying, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm welcoming you into my life. Brother, sister, I'm welcoming you into my life as Christ welcomes us into the family. And this is what happens when we stop viewing other humans as obstacles or as oppositions. And begin to view our community and our world as an opportunity to share God's love and to glorify his name and word and in deed. It, it, what we hear this morning is a call to our unhoused neighbors. It's a, it's a call to those to say, you are home. You are welcomed here in God's house, and as a member of God's family, you're not only welcome in God's house, but you're welcome in my house. You're welcome in my very life. We, have, If we have accepted Christ we and invited God to live within us, we are, accept, we are called to accept and to love God's people and invite them into our very lives, not just the four walls of our church, but into our community, into our families. It is a call to envision one another as Family, to not put on the image of God if I'd have known it was you, but to view everyone as children of God and to extend that same love, grace, and mercy to them as you would to Christ. Amen and amen.